on. Um, and so we've, we've been talking about, uh, we've been in the book of Daniel, and, and today we're going to deviate from the book of Daniel somewhat, uh, and we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah. Because uh, Jeremiah is a is an exilic prophet, he is is one that that wrote uh, and uh, encouraged people and spoke truth during the exile. And so this morning we're going to look at Jeremiah. So you can go to Jeremiah chapter twenty nine. Now, how many of you guys maybe have Jeremiah twenty nine eleven somewhere in your house? Right. Okay. Right. So you might know that one. That might be the only verse you know. Right. <laughs> right. I, I can't quote many scriptures, but I can quote that one, Pastor. Okay. So we're going to look at that uh, context today. <laughs> Not really going to read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, but we're going to read kind of what's coming up to that. But before we get there, uh, how many of you guys you think you've got pretty good eyesight? All right. How many of you guys are blind as a bat like me? Okay, that's me. I have had vision trouble all my life. Uh, I remember when I was in second grade, I got my first pair of glasses, and it was like the world opened up to me because my mom, she was driving down Abercorn Street, and I was like, I can see Chick-fil-A! You know, as before Chick-fil-A, it was uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I can see Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, I can see McDonald's. I can see the, I started seeing these signs. And it was amazing to be able to see the things, right, that you have trouble seeing before. And so I want to see how well uh, you can see today. I'm going to give you about three pictures, and I want to see what you can see in these pictures some of you probably have seen these before but uh don't cheat and don't tell your neighbor if so what is what is this how many of you guys see a duck raise your hand how many of you guys see a rabbit raise your hand how many of you guys see both now that we've said that right you can you see the duck and the rabbit you know the rabbit's kind of looking up right and the duck's looking that way right and so it's it's kind of that optical illusion about what do you see you know at first i see the duck but then as i and I was trying to remember, I'd seen this picture before, and I'm thinking, what else am I supposed to be seeing here? I know I'm supposed to be seeing something else. And as soon as I, I cheated a little bit, and I read, read rabbit, and I was like, there it is, right there. There's the rabbit, right? Some of you guys will get this, the next one. How many of you see a vase? Vase. <laughs> How many of you see a vase? How many of you see a face? Or faces, right? I mean, that's an easy one. That's an easy one, right? Right, okay. All right, next one. What do you see? Planets. How many of you guys see planets? All right. What's that? Colored eggs. Colored eggs? Not really the shape of eggs, but yeah, I guess, you know, I guess maybe there may be maybe more wrong with your vision than what we know, okay? <laughs> That's all right. We'll pray for that later, okay? Altar call imminently after this. Okay, no, uh. How many of you guys see the bottom of pots? Oh, right? I did. When I first saw that, I was like, that's planets. And then I read down, it's like, it's the bottom of pots. And I'm like, look at that. That's crazy. There was a bunch of others, but I don't have time for that because I actually have a message from God for you, so <laughs> I want to get to that. Uh, yeah, sometimes we have to look a little closer to see what God is trying to show us. Sometimes we have to look a little closer to see what God is trying to show us. And so this whole series about living in Babylon is about people who are living in exile. Uh, they are away from their home. They're in an unfamiliar place. They're not in a land that they've been raised in. And so um, 
they, they are exiles. Uh, and so we, we started with the statement a couple weeks ago that if um, you're living in Babylon and you want to make a difference, and we asked question, how many of you guys want to make a difference? We made the statement that said, if you want to make a difference, you've got to be different. If you want to make a difference, you can't make a difference unless you're different, right? You can't make a difference unless you're different. You can't just blend into the background. You can't just become wallpaper and just kind of be there thinking, hey, I'm going to make a difference. So if we're going to make a difference, we've got to be different. Now, I don't know how many of you guys, would you guys consider yourself an exile, right? Probably none of us would really consider ourselves exiles, not many of us, you know, maybe some, uh, but but if you would say, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't really consider myself an exile. You know, how many of you guys are tram- transplants to Georgia? Raise your hand. You know, right? So you're not really from Georgia. I've, I've been raising Georgia all my life, you know. And so, you know, I've, I've been here. I don't feel, I'm like, this is, this is my place, man. These are my people. They, they speak with a draw. We, we drink sweet tea. We eat weird things like grits, you know, and, and, and we run from the sand mats. And, uh, you know, so so this is just kind of this is just kind of where where I know this is my life. This is my people. Um, but asking this question, do you consider yourself an exile? And I think that the writers of these different letters and the epistles and uh, these different prophetic books, they actually do want us to consider ourselves exiles, that we should consider ourselves somewhat exiles in this world. Um, and we, we pick that up with First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read that off the screen, Maddie, if you can just put that up there. And this is what First Peter says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those who are elect exiles, all right, those who are exiles of the uh, dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit and obedience to Jesus Christ for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy which he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what Peter is doing, he's actually saying, hey, you guys that are living in this, these places, uh, you're exiles, and they're kind of reading this letter because they're like, wait a second, I'm from here. I, I'm not an exile. I, I've, I've been raised here. You know, I'm from Pontus, right? So I'm not an exile, Peter. And, and so what he's trying to get them to do is understand, hey, I'm, when we're looking at this, I want you to look at this a little bit different. I want to read this out of the message, um, and I, I really love how Eugene Peterson uh, kind of crafts this in this paraphrase. It's not really translation. This is a paraphrase. He says, I, Peter, am an apostle on an assignment by Jesus, the Messiah, writing to exiles, scattered to the four winds. Not one is missing. I love this. Not one is forgotten. Come on, anybody, you just, you're glad that, that, that when he looks at you that he says that you're not missing and you're not forgotten. Next verse. God the Father has his eye on each of you and has determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. And I love this. May every, everything good from God be yours. Right? How many of you guys want that? I, I, I want everything good from God that he wants for me to be mine. 
I want to live like that. I want to receive that. So, yes, Peter, if I am signing up for something, I am signing up for that last line right there. May everything good from God be yours. Yes, amen. I put a stamp on it, an exclamation. And it does have an exclamation mark on it. I believe that, right? And so that's what I want. But he's saying, listen, you're exiles. And so what does that mean for us? What if you don't consider yourself to be an exile? What does it mean to be an exile? Well, let me give you a definition of what it means to be an exile. This is what it means. Being where you don't want to be with people you don't want to be with. Anybody here, you say like, oh, wait, yes, I have been in exile. Yes, that makes much more sense now. I'm, being where you don't want to be with people you don't want to be with. And, and if you think about these people that were taken from Jerusalem, taken from, from Judah and, and uh, Judea, and uh, they were marched about 900 miles to the east and where present-day Iraq is. That's, that's where they, had, they, were, they were marched. And so the place where they were marched, it didn't look like where they grew up, right? It didn't have the hills and the valleys and all these places. It was flat, right? It's a, it's a different landscape. It's a different weather patterns, you know? It's, it's different when they look around, right? They, different people that they, they're seeing now. And so they're in exile. They're in a place where uh, they don't necessarily want to be around people that they don't necessarily want to be with. Today we're going to deviate from Daniel and we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah because um, when you look at Daniel and when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right, when you look at these guys, and when you look at Jeremiah, they have been called wisdom warriors, right? Wisdom warriors, and, and, and maybe that's a cool term, right? Anybody, you want to be called a wisdom warrior, right? Somebody said, you're not that smart, right? But it's okay. Sorry, right. because wisdom is from God, and, and God helps us see things. It's not really about intellect. I mean, we want you to use your intellect, and you've got to use your intellect, but actually wisdom goes beyond that. Wisdom is being able to see things in such a way where God gives you the vision to say, ooh, I didn't see that before, but I see this now, right? And so they are seeing things in such a way where uh, they understand, hey, I'm in exile, but I've been called to live an exile ethic. What does that mean? Exile ethics. That's really what the message is about today is exile ethics. What are the ethics of exiles? And I think that we see those ethics displayed in Daniel. We see those ethics displayed in his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see those ethics displayed in Jeremiah. And we also see those ethics displayed in Jesus, ultimately, right? So how do you live in a place that is not familiar and doesn't value what you value? It requires wisdom. It requires us to have wisdom in how we live, how we navigate life. And so I want us to go to Jeremiah 29, chapter 29, beginning in verse 4. Now, you would think that if the word from God to the exiles would be this. Hey, listen, you're going off to Babylon, but I want you to resist I want you to kick back. I want you to rebel. I want you to put up a wall. I don't want you to let them get near you. I, that's all right. So although I'm sending you there because you're being punished for, for, sometimes that's how we look at this, because you're being punished for how you've lived. And you didn't listen to me, and I'm going to send you to Babylon. But I want to make sure that when you get to Babylon, you, you, just, you just hold everybody back, right? You're, you just resist as much as you can. And there's actually prophets who were saying that during that day. 
There were prophets who were saying, hey, listen, if you will resist and if you will put up, uh, just put up a fight, you know, if you will do that, then it won't be long before we're back at home. It won't be long before they're going to let us go back home because they're going to want to get us out of here. Jeremiah had a very different word from God. Actually, Jeremiah got a word from God, and he, he was told, he said, you better tell the people that these other prophets, he said, they're lying to them. These other prophets, they, they, they're lying. And you know what? They're going to die for it. Those guys, they're going to die. Don't listen to them. They're liars. And this is what Jeremiah, the word of God came to Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 4, says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, right? Everybody who is not where you want to be. You're in a land far from home. You're where you don't want to be, around people you don't want to be around. To all the exiles. This is what God says. To all the exiles whom I have sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, I want you to understand this, that the Bible uses Babylon as a model, right? So Babylon at, 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 at some point in history is, is not going to exist anymore. But Babylon gets used as a metaphor. It gets used as like a place. It's like, hey, this is, if anything's bad, it's like Babylon gets labeled the metaphor, right? Uh, and so, so Babylon is exi- existing at this point, but at some point you're going to, Babylon won't be in existence, but it still gets used as kind of that comparison. I have sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city. What city? Jerusalem, right? You want us to seek the welfare of Jerusalem. No, that's not what he says. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. God, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Do you realize these are the people who have just snatched us up out of our homeland? Do you realize these are the people who have just destroyed our temple? Do you realize these are the people who have just killed our families and marched us 900 miles to a place that we don't know, a place that we're unfamiliar with? God, do you realize this? Yes. And so I want you to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is wisdom that is like, uh, this is not like when you, see the, when you see the duck picture. It's like, this is not what you see at first. It's like, no, God, this can't be you. And God's like, I want you to look closer because there's a n- different picture I want you to see. There's something else that I want you to see here. And this is the exile ethic. This is where you have to live with wisdom and figure out what does it mean to live in Babylon and be surrounded by Babylon but not allow Babylon to, to, to become your God, right? And 
and this requires wisdom. And so he says this. He says, I want you, what's the first thing he says? There's four things he says here. He says, I want you to build houses and live in them. So there's, there's a, a pastor by the name of John McCallum, and he was influenced by Eugene Peterson, who, who did the message uh, paraphrase. And this is, he's kind of picking up here on, on a book that Eugene Peterson wrote called uh, Run With Horses, and I highly recommend it. I mean, I was reading it again last night, and, man, I'm just, like, jumping up and down on my chair. I'm like, all right, God, you, you're just, like, wearing me out with this. But this is, this is what he said. This is what he says here, kind of a paraphrase of Eugene Peterson. He says, you're not on a camping trip here. This is your home. Make yourself a home. It may not be your favorite place, but it is the place where you live. So live here. Lay a foundation. Put up a roof and some walls. Hang a few pictures and put flowers on the coffee table and live in this place. If all you do is pine for Jerusalem, you'll never live here. Your life is as valuable here as it was in Jerusalem. So build a Babylonian house and live here as you're able to. Build a Babylonian house and live a Jewish lifestyle. Basically is what he's saying, right? He's like, you're in Babylon. I want you to live here. This is where you're going to be. You're not just passing through right now, right? This is where you're going to be for a while. And actually what we find is this, is that they were there for 70 years, it wasn't a minute, you know. It wasn't just, hey, we're here just for a little bit. No, it was 70 years. There were some people who were born in Babylon. That's all they ever knew. And so when you get 70 years down the road, you've got 120,000 Jewish people who are living in Babylon. And the Persians take over. So, so the Babylonians, they get conquered. The Persian Empire comes in, and they become the rulers over, over the Jewish people. who They take over the Babylonian Empire. And they allow them. This is how they, the Persians rule. They say, listen, we're going to let you go back. And so out of 120,000 people, you know how many went back? 40,000. Only a third of the people went back to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Because they had been given instruction, hey, listen, this is where you're going to be. Build homes. And some of, some of them, they, they did. They, they actually, uh, they did very well there. They, they built businesses, and they, they, uh, they had to learn how to live in a place that was unfamiliar. And so what is the wisdom that we're finding here? It says, listen, I want you to build houses. That was the first thing that they were given. They said, I want you to, what What does he say? He said, I want you to plant gardens and eat their produce. I want you to enter into the rhythm of the season, to become a productive part of the community, to become a productive part of the economy. Don't expect everyone else to take care of you take care of yourself right don't don't just expect hey you know what i'm, I'm here i'm not you know but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be part of this stuff i'm not gonna be part of this he said no i want you to plant gardens and i want you to eat their produce he says learn what grows in babylon soil and grow it get a babylonian cookbook and try a few new recipes right get a babylonian cook and this this is what he's saying it takes wisdom to figure out see Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not protest everything. It wasn't like they just made their entire life a protest. What they did was they made their life a contrast. There's a difference between your life being a protest and your life being a contrast, right? Their life was a protest. It means everything that, that happened that, you know, I'm not for it. I'm, not, I'm against it. I'm against it. I'm against it, right? But what we find is this, is that they dress like Babylonians, 
They were educated with Babylonian education. Actually, spoke the Babylonian language. You want to know where Aramaic comes from? The Bible was written in uh, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. You want to know where the Aramaic came from? It came from this time period. That's what they spoke. That was the common language of, of Babylon. As, as that's where they picked that up. And so the Babylonian Talmud, this is, this is, this is where all this comes from. And all these things that get developed uh, like synagogues. And, and uh, these things get developed during this period. Because the temple is gone, they got to figure out how do we worship? How do we keep our identity as Jewish people? How do we live here and still love God, right? How do I live here and still live for God? And so there were a lot of things that had to change. And there were so many things that seemed like challenges. Actually, this became a period of, uh, of great uh, creative um, expression for the Jewish people. So many things got developed during this time period because they stopped looking at it as just opposition and they started looking at it as opportunity. How do you look at this world? Do you look at this world as just opposition? I'm here to protest everything that happens. Or are you saying, God, give me eyes to look for the opportunity where you want me to be? God, give me eyes to, to have the opportunity to see, Lord, is this where I need to speak? Is this where I need to let my life be influential? God, how do you want me to live? Give me wisdom to know the difference between just compromise and living in Babylon, right? Because we do. We need to know the difference between just becoming wallpaper and blending in and, and just letting our life be consumed. And that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't let your life be consumed. Let your life be a contrast. Show that there's a difference. Because if you want to make a difference, you've got to be different. So for us living in Babylon, it, it means, hey, that we're going to have to do what Jeremiah said. We're going to have to live here. We're going to have to build houses, plant gardens. It says, goes on, it says, marry and have a lot of kids. Be fruitful and multiply. That sounds like Genesis chapter 1, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Pass along your faith and your traditions. Tell your stories. Care for one another. Don't live in isolation. Isolation is an infection. Dr. Henry Cloud, this is what he says in his book, How People Grow. He says, virtually every emotional and psychological problem from addictions to depression has alienation or emotional isolation at its core or close to it. He says, listen, I'm not trying to, I don't want you to isolate yourself. I want you to become part of the fabric of the community. And I want your life to influence that fabric. I want as you weave this Jewish thread in, I want that Jewish thread to begin to kind of bleed out let the colors bleed out into the fabric and and it did because of their presence in babylon it actually changed the babylonian empire actually what they they found was this is that as they learned to live there there were there were parts of of, of their religion parts of their faith that grew they were challenged eugene peterson says it like this he says exiles thought that being an exile pushed them to the margins, pushed them to the edges. And what they found was this, that instead of being an exile and it pushed them to the edges, it actually being an exile pushed them to the center where God was at. That is a very different way to look at things. It says the pressure that I'm under does not push me to the edge. It pushes me closer to Jesus, right? It pushes me closer to the heart of God. And that's what we want. As exiles, we look around us and say, I don't agree with that. That's all right. I don't agree with that. But I am being pushed to the heart of God so that the heart of God that lives in me can be influential in those who live around me, right? And so 
Guys, we're called to be in community. I think, how did they survive? And I'm going to ask the band to come play, and we'll wrap this up real quick. How did they survive this exile? It's, it is so interesting. Um, exile is probably not one of those, those themes that you just say, you know what, I really just want to go study some exile today, right? No, we study things like grace and love, right? But exile is a huge theme in the Scripture. And to study the exile ethic, it, it shows us that we have to live with wisdom and we have to be willing to say, all right, God, there are things that go, wrong, or, or, or go on around me that no, I don't necessarily agree with. But, Lord, you've got me here for a reason. So help me see the opportunity and not always the opposition. Help me be part of the opportunity to bring your life and your kingdom. Let your kingdom invade through me, all right? But his kingdom has got to invade in you first. For his kingdom to invade through you, it's got to invade in you. So are you letting his kingdom invade in you, or are you just wallpaper and you're blending in? Are you consumed, or are you a contrast? See, for us, we're called to, to be people who live in exile ethic. And Jesus said this. Jesus, and, and I won't read this, Maddie, so, so don't worry about putting this up there. In Matthew chapter 22, they came to Jesus, and they asked him. They tried to, they tried to test him, is what it says. And they said, they said, Jesus, is it right for us to pay taxes, basically? And what did he say? And they were trying to trick him up, trip him up. And he said, Who's, let me see the coin. Whose image is on it? He says, render to Caesar what bears Caesar's image. Render to God what bears God's image. What bears God's image? I bear God's image. So I'm going to pay my taxes. Come on. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm going to be honest. I don't have to protest every little thing. There will be some things that just like these Hebrew boys, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to pray for Babylon and I'm Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to pray for you. I can't do this. I can't cross that line. Not everything has to be a protest. Some things have to be a contrast. And we have to allow it to push us not away from God, push us to God. Push us closer to the center of God's heart and say, here we are. Let's, let's not just survive, let's thrive. And that's what they did. That's what they had to do. Exile is the worst that reveals the best. Exile is the worst. But it's the opportunity to reveal God's best.